You're listening to the SSPX Podcast. Father Stephen McDonald is putting together a virtual retreat on the topic of the Sacred Heart. This first episode dives into the story of the Pharisee and the publican. If you are able to help support the work of the SSPX Podcast, which is produced by Angelus Press, please visit sspxpodcast.com. There you can set up a recurring donation of just $5 a month. If we have enough people to do that, that will greatly help with this apostolate and to be able to reach more people with the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. Now, here's Father Stephen McDonald. During these days of self-confinement, of restriction, where we're forced in some ways to pull ourselves away from our normal activities, our normal jobs, functions, we are afforded more of an opportunity to, to step back and to pray, to consider what is most important. We can ask ourselves the great question that St. Bernard used to ask all of his monks when they entered at the monastery. The great question, why are you here? Why do we exist? We know, of course, we were made, created by God to know him, to love him, and to serve him. And in doing so, of course, to gain eternal happiness with him in heaven. We also know, of course, that our Lord Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Therefore, we must know Christ. We must know his teachings. Again, St. Bernard used to say, unless you speak to me of Christ, I do not want to hear it. For St. Bernard, of course, our Lord was everything. Dom Marmion, the great Irish Benedictine spiritual writer, echoes those sentiments when he writes to one of his spiritual children. You will ask me, my child, like the disciples to St. John, why do you always repeat the same thing to me? It is because this is all I know, and this contains everything. Quote, I judged not myself to know anything among you but Jesus Christ and him crucified, unquote. It is because while loving you more than ever, I no longer feel the need to write you to you much. I feel that I have cooperated a little with our Lord to make enter into your heart and be engraved upon it this great principle that Jesus is all. And I see that my part now is to make this divine seed germinate by my prayers. And I do so more than ever. And it seems to me with more fervor and love. May God bless you, my child, and may he make of you the saint that I dream of in my prayers. How do we become holy? How do we love God more? It simply means that we look to Christ. We listen to Christ. We follow the dictates of his sacred heart. St. Thomas Aquinas, of course, reminds us that we can only love God because he has first loved us. This is the love of the sacred heart. And so during these days of confinement, of this shelter in place, when we can step back and perhaps consider more important truths of our faith, of our life, I'm going to try to present to you a retreat the structure being five sets of topics, and each set will contain three conferences. In the first conference, we will look to the great teachings of our Lord, the parables of Christ. We'll pick out one parable, which teaches us a lesson in the spirit of the Sacred Heart, highlighting a particular virtue dear to the Sacred Heart. The second conference, we will look to the examples of Christ, 
all of the life lessons that our Lord gives us through the Gospels to see what is the spirit of the Sacred Heart. And then finally, the third conference in each set, we will consider the virtue itself, a virtue to be practiced, to be carried out in the spirit of the Sacred Heart. If we wish to be apostles of the Sacred Heart, this is how we must act. This is how we must behave. And so we'll begin this first conference by considering one of the more famous parables of our Lord. Now, again, remember the parables were simple stories that our Lord gave, easy to understand by the great multitude of the peoples, very practical, taking very um, recognizable, very um, familiar scenes so that our Lord could deliver a very powerful message, easy enough to, under, to be understood by all of the common people, and yet profound on so many levels. A parable, a lesson, that presents a spiritual reality even to us here and now. This first parable that we will consider then is the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. We find it in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And to some who trusted in themselves as just and despised others, he spoke also this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee standing prayed thus with himself, O God, I give thee thanks that I am not as the rest of men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, as also is this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not so much as lift up his eyes towards heaven, but struck his breast, saying, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I say to you, this man went down into his house justified rather than the other, because everyone that exalteth himself shall be humbled, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. This parable presents a double exhortation to the spirit of humility. It's what we call the moral of the parable. At the very beginning, it said that our Lord addresses the parable to some who despised others, thinking themselves to be just. Our Lord is directing this parable to those who look down on others because they feel they are better than they are. The second moral of the parable we see at the very end when our Lord himself tells us those who exalt themselves shall be humbled while the humble will be exalted. In order to deliver this powerful message, our Lord, of course, chose a daily event. Two men went to the temple to pray. But what a contrast in characters. The Pharisee, belonged to the most distinguished class among the Jews. These were the holy men of God, well thought of, well respected, doctors of the law. These were the men that the common Jew looked to for guidance, for inspiration. The publican belonged to the most despised class among the Jews. These were men who were hated by their fellow Jews. Hated because, of course, they served as tax collectors working for the Roman Empire, a foreign power, enslaving, subjugating the chosen people of God. 
But what's more, these publicans, in order to enrich themselves, would often charge an even more exorbitant tax. And they would take what they made over and above what was asked for, and they would pocket it, pocket it for themselves. And so they were seen as thieves as well. And so these two men go into the temple to pray. It's quite interesting. The Pharisees, who were so well thought of, who were the great leaders of the people, it was they who often battled with our Lord, who resisted his teachings. These men were so self-satisfied, so external in their religious practices with nothing internal, that they resisted our Lord. They battled with our Lord and they sought to ensnare our Lord. You can understand why our Lord, and even St. John the Baptist before him, would often criticize them for their hypocrisy, for the show that they put on. Whereas the publicans, if we see in the, if we look into the Gospels, we often see that they are the ones who embrace the teaching of our Lord. They are the ones who more willingly obeyed Christ's call to repentance. We think of St. Matthew, who, of course, had been Levi, the tax collector, who leaves his court of customs, leaves his money on the table to follow our Lord. Or Zacchaeus, the little short publican who climbs up into a tree so that he can see our Lord pass by. And he's called down by our Lord and extended a beautiful invitation to host our Lord for supper. These two men go into the temple to pray, but what a marked difference in prayer. The Pharisee stands and sings his own praises. He announces to the world his freedom from evil, and he goes on to list all of his good works. Meanwhile, the publican strikes his breast, imploring mercy. It is, of course, a great contrast, a study in the spirit of pride versus the spirit of humility in both prayer and in action. The Pharisee, of course, represents the spirit of pride. He sins firstly by reciting the list of his good works. And this again highlights the subtlety of pride. He does it for an evil end, to justify himself. The works he lists, of course, are good, fasting and tithing, avoidance of sin. But he does this in order to justify himself, not to serve God, but to make himself look good. And what's more, he attributes to himself all these good works. It's a great ingratitude to God. This man forgets that all good comes from God, that we are incapable of doing any good without God. This man forgets that the fasting, the tithing, whatever it may be, they are simply means to an end. They are meant to lead us to God, and they are meant to lead us to a spirit of humility and charity. And what's more, this man clo cloaks all of this with the veneer of religion. It is the height of hypocrisy. Again, our Lord would often rebuke the Pharisees for being hypocrites whited sepulchers that are so beautiful on the outside and yet in within they are full of rapine and sin he exaggerates the value of his good works 
For him, everything is exterior. As long as if people notice, and that's why he stands in the front of the temple with arms outstretched, thank God I am not like the rest of men. Meanwhile, he ignores the interior sentiments of the heart. Remember, sacred scripture laments the fact that often the people of God worship God simply with their lips, and yet their heart is far from him. This Pharisee sins because he doesn't accuse himself of anything. He makes no petition to God. He is self-sufficient. He can do everything on his own. He doesn't need God. He seeks no pardon. There's an absolute lack of consideration of his sins. He's so busy looking at the faults of his neighbor. So busy focusing on his own goodness that he doesn't realize that he himself is a sinner in need of mercy, in need of pardon. And what's more, this Pharisee sins by comparing himself with the publican. He commits the sin of rash judgment because he pretends to know the hearts of others. Thank God I am not like the rest of men extortioners, adulterers. And then he points out this publican, like this man, this publican. He pretends to read the heart of this man, despite the fact that this man is in the temple praying. All indications seem to point to the fact that he has been converted. And yet, this Pharisee judges him. He pretends to know his heart. In a sense, he imitates the devil, who, of course, appears as our accuser before God on the judgment seat. And what's more, he fails to pray for those with faults. If this were truly a man of God, who recognizes that he himself is a sinner, who recognizes that he himself is in need of mercy, then more than anyone, he should be the one praying for those that he sees struggling for those that he sees burdened with faults. This man, more than anyone else, should realize that without the grace of God, he would fall even lower. He would be a far greater sinner than this publican. The publican, of course, represents the great spirit of humility. He recognizes he is a sinner in need of mercy. He stays far away from the sanctuary. He recognizes that he's not worthy, in a sense, to be in the house of God. He doesn't even look up. It's a sign of his shame, a repentance for his sins. And he strikes his breast, which manifests his sentiments of a repentant heart. Be merciful to me, O God, for I am a sinner. It's such a beautiful prayer, such a humble prayer. Be merciful to me, a sinner. He prays for grace. He prays for mercy. He prays for pardon for his sins. And this, of course, is one of the highlights, one of the characteristics of a truly humble prayer. Humility will always be paired with a great confidence in God. The humble man always trusts in God's mercy always trusts in God's forgiveness. Yes, he recognizes he is a great sinner. Yes, he recognizes that he is in need of God's mercy. 
And yet he has the greatest confidence because God is good. Because God is so forgiving, he will find that mercy. He will find that forgiveness. And of course, our Lord immediately confirms the verdict. The, pu the publican goes home justified, not the Pharisee. The proud will be humbled. The humble will be exalted. What this means, of course, is that one man acquires grace while the other man loses grace. One man gains entrance into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of heaven, while the other man, in a sense, forfeits that right. He closes that door. It's a very important lesson. The humble will be the ones who acquire God's grace, his forgiveness, his love, his friendship. While the proud will always put a block, an obstacle to God's great love and mercy. It is a great contrast, this parable of the Pharisee and the publican in the spirit of pride versus the spirit of humility. And our Lord purposely chooses these two characters to show that often it's not what we think. The one that we perhaps view or see to be holy, to be right with God, often has, because of a spirit of pride, place an obstacle to God's grace. While the sinner, as long as if he is humble, as long as if he turns to God's mercy, he will find forgiveness. He will find uh, pardon. And he will grow in holiness because it is that humility that recognizes that all good comes from God. That all grace comes from God. In a sense, this parable of the Pharisee and the publican is a resume of God's dealings with men. He rejects the proud, and he exalts the humble. The very foundation of the spiritual life consists in curbing our pride and practicing humility. St. John Chrysostom, one of the great fathers of the church, has a couple of very striking quotes with regards to pride and humility. Firstly, he says, a proud saint is a devil. A humble sinner is a saint. Because, of course, pride will corrupt any good that a man does. And so even if a man has lived a very saintly life, if he gives himself over to pride, he will be imitating Lucifer himself, who would not serve, who thought himself higher than everyone else, higher than even God himself. Whereas a sinner who is humble will eventually turn things around. That humility will require him to turn to God, to ask for forgiveness. And because of God's great mercy, the humble sinner can very quickly become a saint. St. John Chrysostom, though, goes on to say, and perhaps even more strikingly, a state of sin with humility is better than a state of justice with pride. Let me repeat that. A state of sin with humility is better than a state of justice with pride. This is, of course, very important to understand. Because if a man is in the state of sin, but he's humble, 
and he humbles himself, he will seek forgiveness. He will make a good confession and he will take the means necessary to pull himself out of that state of sin and find that forgiveness, that grace with God. Whereas a man, even if he's in the state of justice, if he gives himself over to pride, and of course it starts off on a venial level, but more and more if he lives in that spirit of pride, more and more if he gives himself over to that spirit of pride, eventually he will fall. Because of course all of us are capable of falling. Without the grace of God, we would all fall into serious sin. And that's why the proud man who thinks himself better, who thinks that he can do everything on his own, he will eventually fall into sin. And perhaps it's a venial sin from at the start. But over time, if he does not curb that pride, he will fall into a serious sin. And that's why St. John can say a state of sin with humility is better than a state of justice with pride. Pride, of course, destroys all virtue whereas humility prepares the way for conversion. Humility is the foundation of the spiritual life, of the life of virtue. And thus, it's the, it's the foundation of the spirit of the sacred heart. A spirit that, of course, our Lord not only taught, but also practiced. And so we will look at the, in the next conference at the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. The very one who says, learn of me for I am meek and humble of heart. We will look at some examples from the gospels of our Lord practicing this virtue of humility. We will see that humility is one of the characteristics of the spirit of the sacred heart. If we wish to be apostles of the sacred heart, then we must be humble. Always remembering the very strong words of our Lord himself. Those who exalt themselves shall be humbled, while the humble will be exalted.